Welcome to the Vet Podcast by the Vet Gurus, Brendan and Mark. Get ready for the latest veterinary news, information and entertainment. Don't forget to visit us at the Vet Gurus website, vetgurus.com. Now, sit back, relax, it's over to the Vet Gurus, Brendan and Mark. Welcome to the Vet Gurus, Brendan here with Mark. We have another special edition this week. It's another top ten. We do top ten, famous five, fancy four, um, sensational sevens, but this one's a top ten and we are going to rip into it pretty well straight away. I'll turn off Mr. Intro Man and how are you, Mark? Just great, Brendan. Just great. And really looking forward to this top 10. Although I have to apologise, I prepared some of these and I did notice a bit of a bird bias. I apologise in advance. There is a bird bias, but some excellent tips nevertheless. And um, the vast majority of it can be applied to our non-feathery friends as well, Mark. And yes, um, life is good. whatever time of the year or century we are releasing this episode because it is a special one that we're going to drop in when we've both dropped out um, for a bit of a break and that could be today or tomorrow or next year (laughs) depending on when it gets put in there but um, things are good and we've just been chatting off here a little bit about our photography I was going to say passion maybe obsession mark um, with uh, several different things photographic wise and our first world problems with um, storing and saving and editing photo files um, I think one of one of the difficulties but we didn't speak about this uh, with taking photos if um, you have a and we both have cameras that um, we're fortunate enough to have cameras that can take fairly high picture rates per second Um and you think, gee, isn't it great that my camera can take 120 shots per second? Uh, the downside is you, you, you flick that on and you, you, you go and take a few pictures of some birds in flight or, or wild animals or whatever and you, you, you hold your finger down for a few seconds and then you sit back at your computer and you've got, you know, a thousand pictures that you have to scroll through and trowel through, trudge through, um, trying to work out which ones you want to keep and to delete. I, I try and these days try and get more ruthless and delete the vast majority of the mark. And if if anything's not particularly in focus, I it gets dumped because yeah, it's a bit of an overload with with information, isn't it? I agree entirely. I think um, yep, you have to be a little bit absent of Ruth, be ruthless and um, and only keep the, you know, ones you're prepared to show. Yes, and using single shot focus uh, most of the time, <laughs> unless we've got a really fast, you know, like a bird especially, I suppose, is always a classic that we know we're going to try and get that beautiful shot in flight and um, they're the ones that might do a little burst. So anyway, enough of photography weekly mark i think we'll jump into your 10 top tips or top 10 tips on hemostasis in unusual and avian patients well you've put the avian separate haven't you there mark so that's a bit of a hint so i think we're going to rip through them or you are and i might jump in occasionally um, because you've done the 
hard work and the homework for this particular one and I think we wanted to go from number 10 down to number one and number 10 mark what is that so my number 10 tip for hemostasis in birds this one um, there is no serum thromboplastin in birds Um, they only have tissue thromboplastin so if you do an outstandingly clean uh, jugular stick that does very little tissue damage um, there's a real chance that you'll barely initiate the the clotting cascade. Um, And so always, when you apply pressure to a needle stick wound, particularly those jugular ones, it's worth considering gently rolling the the, uh, skin and subcutaneous tissue around the jugular. You don't have to pinch it hard, but hold it firmly and roll it to burst some of the cells subcutaneously, burst those cell membranes and release some thromboplastin to uh, get to the point where you've got a clot pretty quickly, Brendan. Well, that solves it. I've always been um, fascinated and and a bit jealous of you, the fact that you always manage to um, take blood from birds very easily and they never seem to get um, hematomas there, Mark, and it was because your technique's so rough. That's um, exactly it. That it works so well. Um, so great tip there, Mark. And yeah, it is a bird specific one, but it's a fantastic one. And it's something that a lot of us do not know about now that we do. Um, what's number nine, Mark? Number nine is to have a range of hematinics. I love this word, Brendan, hematinics. Yes. Um, they're those chemicals uh, like the topical caustics, aluminium chloride, ferric sulfate, zinc, uh, silver nitrates, uh, zinc chloride paste, um, uh, potassium permanganate, or um, some of the uh, starch powders, corn flour, or um, or even soap, these uh, topical things that when you have a bird that has a, um, uh, or a rat, or something that you've got to trim a nail and it just keeps bleeding, something that you can apply and um, staunch the drops coming from that nipped claw. Which one's would you recommend in a particular case? Or it varies, does it? Well, I can tell you which one I won't recommend in a particular case, and I can tell you why. Um, I definitely have used potassium permanganate as sort of my baseline one. It's relatively easy. It does make a bit of a mess, and the nurses always worry with the purple spots everywhere after uh, I've um, I've done a nail. But um, don't use it in birds because the birds will chew that little... Um, little bleb of clot with uh, Condi's crystals in it. Um, and um, and it generally won't cause life-threatening problems, but it will make them very nauseous and they vomit for about an hour after they've ingested it. So don't use the potassium permanganate Condi's crystals with birds. Be wary. And it's it's a good point as far as clients too, isn't it? Um, the, the client that clips the nail of their... Of a bird, their small mammal, and it bleeds, and it all. I always know when we have a white rabbit on the table, Mark, um, that we're doing surgery because I know that that one we're going to have a little, um, a little bleeder at some stage, and it always the white ones um, that you end up with um, a horrible looking mess there. Well, that's what I find anyway. Um, and when when they cut the nails of their pets at home. It, they always panic and think, gee, it's my, my rabbit's bleeding to death, my bird's bleeding to death, and you've got a point about blood volume um, a little bit further on here in these top 10 marks. But um, 
more often than not, it, it will not bleed to death with those rabbits, etc. And using something like a bit of cornflour or soap, you know, a soft bar of soap, and 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 popping the the nail into um, that little soap and getting a little plug of soap left there that works to help stop that bleeding. It's a it's a great tip, and it just puts the clients at ease, doesn't it? When they've got something as a backup in case they do have that nail that they accidentally cut too close to the quick number eight mark what's number eight number eight is one that um that you were a little bit surprised by and i've suggested that um uh we consider using tranexamic acid it uh, goes under the trade name of vaslamin um and it's an antifibrinolytic compound so it stops clots breaking down uh, you know, a fibrin uh, patch, a fibrin clot breaking down. Um, and uh, my experience has been it's been an excellent addition to um, some of our small animal and uh, small uh, unusual pet and bird surgery um, used at the standard doses. All those animals have uh, fibrin clots as part of their uh, um, hemostasis, their uh, hemostatic mechanisms to homeostatic mechanisms to provide hemostasis um, and so getting in with um, some consider getting in with some tranexamic acid into those patients that might be real risks yes excellent tip there mark and yes as we spoke off air it's not something that i use or, or i i'm just looked that particular product up um, or the supplier here in, a, in australia and it does ring a bell when i see the color of that um, bottle there mark so um can you expand a tiny bit um how um, how much do you use and and how to get it into or onto or within the animal oh so it's used i use it the way that i use it is uh as a pre-surgical treatment so yep. we would get an animal in the day before we'd consider uh, what preparatory stuff we needed to do, whether it's fluids or whatever, um, and we'd get the tranexamic acid in at that point at the standard dose rates, um, and um, and it w- I wouldn't depend on it once I had uh, things underway, and it's just given as a, a subcutaneous injection. Yep, excellent. And I think in Australia, at least, I think it's mainly just—is it just re- registered for use in? Horses, I think. Um, Horses and dogs, I think. Okay, yep. Excellent. Um, Number seven, Mark. Number seven. That's another bird one. (laughs) Surprisingly (laughs) enough. Um, Be aware that in birds that have liver disease, and and the one that leaps to mind in several of these uh, galahs, because the liver produces vitamin K, it's critical to vitamin K synthesis and liver disease will result in defective vitamin K uh, synthesis. So these animals, these birds can have a relative vitamin K deficiency um, and that may well mean that they can't clot very well uh, during surgery, even given other um, uh, preparations. So I, we would routinely, in these patients, consider at the time we give them vaselamin, um, a dose of vitamin K. Really, it has to be given um, a day or two before to have any effect. If it was given within twenty-four hours, it's not going to be—it's uh, not going to have the effect that you want at the time of surgery. So we should—we generally aim for forty-eight hours before surgery to be effective. Yes, and just. 
for interest, Mark. Is there a specific dose that's recommended for that? Not that I want you to mention the dose. Um, um, as in, is it like some Standard. of these other pro- about about that much? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, it is. It's an interesting question because um, the the tranexamic acid. I've never had an an adverse reaction to that product, yeah. um, but uh, um, but vitamin K. I have had a rabbit that had a very serious adverse reaction, and we only just managed to to pull that rabbit through. So um, you do want to stick to. Um, uh, there's an order of magnitude. I think it's a tenfold difference between the, you know, uh, minimum and maximum dose. And I generally am sticking right in the middle or to the bottom end of that dose range. Excellent. Number six, Mark. Number six, transfusions. In birds, surprisingly enough, um, we don't use transfusions very often. Um, they're uh, generally, transfusions are used to replenish red blood cells, um, but in birds, it only takes those birds a day or two at tops to replace a significant number of blood cells. Their spleen is so uh, wonderful at making them that unlike mammals, it literally just takes a day or two and they've replaced uh, maybe up to 50% of, you know, if they've lost 50% of their red cells, they can replace them in 48 hours. So transfusions are generally not necessary to replace red cells and fluid is probably more critical to keep the blood pressure up. But transfusions do provide additional clotting factors and they're a very useful tool to have in the surgical kit bag for those uh, oozing cases and those glass that have lipomas. Yes. They're the classic one that leaps to mind. So, um, but, so certainly if the opportunity presents itself to have uh, galar blood on hand um, uh, in preparation, um, or maybe better to have a galar on hand, um, and if necessary, draw the blood. And, and I generally don't store transfused blood in these circumstances. I literally draw it up into a syringe that's been primed with anticoagulant um, and deliver it immediately over to the, the bird that requires it. Excellent tips. Mark number five, we're counting down towards one. We're getting through them, Brendan. Number five, be aware of... Um, uh, the blood volume of your patients, particularly in those really little ones. And I use budgerigars here and I talk about, um, you know, if you have a 40 gram bird, then its blood volume is going to be about 3.6 mils. And that's, you know, in number of drops, if we measure each drop as a 20th of a mil, there's only 72 drops of blood in that bird. Now, as I said before, those birds can cope with profound, much more profound blood loss than mammal species, but um, but they're going to get into trouble if they lose, you know, 50% of it. So I think trying to keep an idea on the volume of blood that has been lost will give you some index of suspicion as to whether you're getting into a dangerous situation. But a word of caution, Brendan, um, you know and I know that blood spreads all over the place. And on those white swabs and Q-tips, um, 5, 10, 15 drops of blood, um, they can look like an awful lot as they spread through those white fibres. So trying to be aware of how much blood has come out um, and then being ready to act as you get into life-threatening zones is a good thing. But 
don't panic just because there's red smears over all those swabs. Oh, scary stuff, Mark. Scary stuff. Uh, but don't panic. Number four. <laughs> what is number four? Number four is um, it sort of feeds off that sort of don't panic thing. Um, and while you might not need it, um, you never regret when you actually do need it having a PCV and, if possible, any clotting times. And I think that, uh, you know, female ferrets that uh, come in for de-sexing, um, having that information, the PCV and uh, the clotting times, um, they can be really, really useful because, as we all know, estrogen toxicity, as these ferrets stay in their persistent estrus, uh, can first of all lower the, you know, uh, production of red cells and so they end up with an anemia but the same mechanism stops the production of some of some of the clotting fact the the clotting agents um, and so uh, low platelet production can result and um, so they have an increased tendency to bleed so just get that PCV and obviously if you're starting to worry about your bird having lost you know 36 of its 72 drops of blood having the PCV to refer back to can be exceedingly useful. So getting that data, really crucial. Yep, the old PCV TP, Mark, it um, should be burned into everybody's veterinary brain, shouldn't it? Number three, Mark, what's that number three tip? Gel foam. Number three tip is gel foam. Um, the... Uh, the wonderful product that comes in little... Um, uh, um, Wedges. Uh, Wedges, that's the word I was looking for, for dinner. <laughs> Wedges for dinner. Wedges. Um, and you can cut it to particular shapes. You can uh, whack it into eye sockets. Um, it works so well on those oozing fields, those um, surgeries uh, maybe where you've got a, um, a mass that's taken away and there's a load of capillaries that you can't find that one single bleeder whacking some gel foam on that oozing surface can often um, pretty promptly affect a, 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 um, a hemostatic field and um, we use them quite often, Brendan. Yes, we certainly have the gel foam. And there's another product, I always forget the name of it, that's a little bit like gel foam, but a little bit ain't like gel foam. <laughs> and it's a bit of fibrousy <laughs> sort of um product it i think it was originally developed to use on external sort of um wounds um in the field for for um the armed, armed forces yeah um i think yeah. you know the the product mark but it has been used internally as well at a pinch um so we also have that that we sometimes use so a similar sort of process um as far as the gel fund um number two mark what is our number two tip Number two is to to consider using the um, you know hemoclips or ligoclips, whichever brand name you want to to uh, to to choose. Um, uh, have all the the uh, clamps ready. Um, have sterilised um, clips available. Um, I find that they speed up the process of ligating major vessels significantly. And where you know, I definitely have gone through a surgical phase where I used suture material to tie off every bleeder. Um, and you know, I'm not the fastest surgeon, Brendan, and it would slow down the surgery considerably. And of course, that means that the animal is likely to lose more blood if you're going more slowly while there's a, a leaking bleeder. So 
definitely the clips um, used well speed up ligation of those vessels and can considerably save some of that blood that might leak out. Yes, totally agree. And where would I be without my Liger clips? I, I love them to death, Mark. And once you've started using them, I don't think you'd ever want to not use them. You'd never go back, would you, Mark? Now, number one, um, drum roll, number one, number one, number one. Have you got your top. <laughs> Let me find it. I've just got this one. That'll do. That'll I've do. just got that one. Um, top 10 tips on hemostasis in unusual avian pets. Number one tip is... Well, it's a bit ambivalent for a number one tip. I want ah, everyone to let plan, no, it's <laughs> plan surgery well and be relatively brisk, you know, uh, shorten anesthesia so there's blood, no blood pressure issues. But once there is unexpected bleeding, I think the trick is to slow down at that point and apply pressure in a manner that doesn't compromise the breathing of the patient and then wait. My problem always was that I would apply pressure and lift the swab or Q-tip or whatever I was applying. I'd lift it up to check, lift it up to yes. check, and then it just develops into a little puddle of five or ten drops of blood and I can't see anything. Slow down, apply pressure to the spot, and wait. Wait minutes, control your breathing, control your emotions, become very technical about the location and what you might need to do next while you're applying pressure so that you're well prepared to, whatever it is, apply a liger clip, put a, some um, heme, uh, heme, the, the um, what is it, gel, gel foam, whichever yes. form of um, hemostatic agent you need, uh, but slow down and think. And it's surprising how often I've done that I'll wait there for three, four minutes, calming my breathing, then lift the pressure up and there's no blood. So I think um, fast when you need to be fast, but slow when you need to be slow. Act fast by going slow, Mark. That's my um, usual mantra for that. And excellent number one tip there. And the classic with that, although I touch wood, I haven't had one for a very long time, would be, the rabbit that you're doing a dental on and you accidentally hit one of those vessels at the um, on the buccal aspect at the back of the throat mouth there, Mark, um, and it bleeds. It bleeds. <laughs> so pack it with your gauze swabs and um, I usually then just head off and have a coffee and get the nurse to take over for a little bit. Come back and it will be pull, leave it for a few minutes and lift the swab after it several minutes. Don't keep checking, as you said, and life is good. You've got this, as you mentioned in your notes there, Mark. You've got this. So so don't panic is, is the trick and an excellent top 10 there, Mark. A little bit bird-centric, but excellent. <laughs> top 10 nevertheless. Top 10 tips on hemostasis. And if our listeners or subscribers have their own tip or top 10 tips on hemostasis or they disagree with anything we've listed there please drop us a line vetgurus at gmail.com um, otherwise we will talk to you all next week talk to you soon bye thanks for listening to the vet podcast by the vet gurus 
Don't forget to visit us at the website, vetgurus.com, where you can subscribe, view show notes, listen to previous episodes and more. You can contact us via email at vetgurus at gmail.com to ask a question or just say hi. Thanks again and see you next time.